there's a few things. We're not going to go over all of them because there's a lot of announcements, but it's really important you look through these things. I want to hit a few of them. The annual me annual membership meeting, we're going to move that because of all of the snow and everything been going on. We're going to move that to February 19th. So members, um, put that on your calendar. That gives us a month, which is a little bit better timing for some things going on. So February 19th, immediately following church, annual membership meeting. And what goes along with that is we'll, we're going to be electing one pr new person to the board, the official board of the church. So you have a couple of weeks to uh, put in any nominations for the board. So if there's anyone you think that would be a good addition, a, a board member may, needs to meet the qualifications of a deacon in the Bible. So you can go into Titus and look for the qualifications of a deacon for there. But um, a solid Christian, but one full of wisdom. Also, the idea is that in the book of Acts, when they chose the seven to look after the affairs of the church, that's what we're looking for, somebody with different giftings. But you can put uh, any nomination to do that, put it in the tithe and offering box, send me an email, uh, give it to me, but it needs to be done in writing. Please don't just walk by me and say, I nominate so-and-so. Go ahead and just write it down. It doesn't have to be very efficient. Just write it down. We'll put it in there, and we'll go through its, you know, the normal bylaw parts, and we'll uh, elect somebody for the board on February 19th. The other part that goes along with that is a little further down, and it's talking about being a member. If you've been attending the church for a while and you're interested in becoming a member of the church, we're going to have a, 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 a couple-hour class on Saturday, February 11th. Um, I want to invite you guys, if you've been here for a while, to come. Just because you come to the class doesn't mean you have to become a member. We'll talk about why we do membership in a church. We'll go over some things to help you see that it is, it is I think, scriptural and biblical to, to do that. Uh, so let's put that down. 10 a.m. Saturday, February 11th. The other parts are, Jesse, are we going to cancel the new life? Okay. We were in struggling with this. The new life drama team was supposed to come Tuesday. But with this storm lasting all the way through Tuesday morning, we know they, they're supposed to come up Monday. That's not going to be able to happen in this storm. And then we don't even know if we'll be able to be plowed out for sure on Tuesday morning or Tuesday for parking. So we're going to cancel that so you can scratch that off. Mark Johnson coming next week. Don't miss it. Bring a friend. He always says a great word of the Lord and a great time of worship. And if you uh, like to worship the Lord and want to be together, we're going to meet on Saturday night at 630 at Foursquare. We're going to have a time of worship together. We're going to join them. Mark will be uh, ministering over there through worship and the word that night. So let's join together both Saturday night at Foursquare and Sunday morning here. Let's, that's going to be an awesome, awesome time. And finally, something really exci we're excited for. I got a quick video. Is that video ready? Okay, we didn't do it. That's right. We didn't find it. The right one. Okay. That's okay, though. Have you ever asked the question, what on earth am I here for? Like, I have. We're going we're gonna to take a look at what on earth we're all here for. We're going to start in February 12th. We're going to go through seven weeks of, of what's uh, based on the purpose-driven life study. And we're going to learn that, uh, about God's purposes and promises for our life. So put that on your calendar to, to make sure we're here for all of those weeks. Also, if you're not in a life group, um, we're going to be starting a couple new groups because midweek we're going to be going through the study together. Uh, in fact, I, we're going to be each going through a, uh, I encourage us all to, to we're going to get a book and it's a daily devotion. It's just a couple of pages a day. And then on the uh, midweek, we're going to go through a DVD in our small groups and even a study guide. And we're going to really grow, grow deep and understand that we have a purpose beyond just waking up every day and going to work and even just raising our children. And those things can all be noble. 
but God actually has a spiritual purpose and promise for our life, and we want to make sure we are walking in everything. So I'm really, 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 really excited about that. So I hope you will too over the next few weeks. In that, we're looking for anyone who would be willing to host a group during that time. And that is in here. A host is someone simply who has a heart for your community, who would be willing to open your home for, for about eight weeks. Yeah, the study's about seven, but we'll have, at the end of it, we'll kind of have a, a celebration of going through it. Each week, you just have to serve a couple of refreshments, and, and each week, all you have to do is turn on your DVD player. Host is heart, open, serve, and turn on your DVD. That's what a host is. So if you can do that, if you're interested, let me know. Otherwise, if you're not in a group, uh, come see one of the life group leaders. Um, we'll put you into a, a new group. And here's how easy it is to, to do a group. If you want to do it, find one other person who wants to do it. And then maybe have them find one person who wants to do it. And now you've got three, now do it. I'll give you the DVD, the book, the whole thing so you can do it in your home. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be 12. You don't have to be a speaker, a public speaker, a Bible study leader, an elder. You just have to, uh, to want to grow in this. And um, it, it, we actually you know, had some, um, I've heard some great stories uh, doing things like this. One of them was that a, uh, somebody got saved at, at Saddleback in the morning and, and, and went to, to Pastor Rick and says, I want to do this. You know, can I do this? And they've been saved one day. And so, yeah, that's okay. You don't have to be saved long. You just have to have a heart to grow. Amen? Man, we should have less chairs because you're all over the place. But that's okay. That's okay. Gives me lots to aim at. You know what we could, yeah, let's, we're going to receive an offering real quick. So just give you a second to, to, to kind of get ready for that. Um, we, you can give online. You can, you can give online or give on texting. And we're going to continue to do the things that God is calling us for. And he is calling this church. You know, do you, I don't know if you know, we have five acres of land out here. Isn't that awesome? That's preparing us to reach this community for Jesus. We have plenty of room to grow, and, and we have a harvest field in Irwin Lake and in Shea Meadows and in Sugarloaf and in Shea, you know, Shea Meadows that way, huh? Irwin Lake, even way up in my place at Lake Williams. And we, we're going to help preach the gospel to everyone who will listen, and that's what we want to be prepared to do so that we can establish the kingdom. So when we give in our tithes and offerings, we're not just supporting the, the things here, though that's part of what happens. Um, Sometimes it costs money to run a building, and, and these things have to happen here. But beyond that, we have a vision to reach this community. Next week, we're going to hear from so Mark, our missionary, of the ministry he's doing in Minnesota, and that's all part of this. So let's give to the Lord as these guys come, and we'll pray for the offering. Father, we want to just extend, um, extend our finances into the ministry, God. We want to give freely this morning. Father, and we do want to see the kingdom of God established. Father, we, uh, we know we, we need to grow ourselves, and we want to see other people come to the saving knowledge and the hope that is found only in Jesus Christ. Father, as we give into the offering today, God, there is a work to be completed, Father. So I pray that you would uh, challenge each of us this morning to give as you put into our heart to give cheerfully, and God, without, uh, without holding anything back from what you call us to give. Father, bless this offering in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
we don't uh, well we technically have cable we're about to turn it back off we don't watch it we just got it because we needed to do a triple play to get our internet and phone cheaper then we can turn it off but so i don't watch a lot of a, a lot of cable and it's so because of that i don't see a lot of news unless i'm going purpose to look for it but I've been seeing some videos and pictures in the last couple days that are kind of heartbreaking. Riots in Washington, D.C. You know, we have a new POTUS. We have a new president of the United States in this country. And, and all over, people are protesting and rioting. Two months ago when it was announced who won, people all over the United States were rioting protesting and 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 i was thinking you know what are you protesting this was an election you know normally you protest something that you can change but you're not supposed to change an election you don't want the power to change an election because if a small group of people has the power to change the the majority voice then we're really just getting set up to be whoever is in power can say whatever they want and we're no longer a democracy so my, my heart has been sick, but it's not sick because of the president that we've elected. Though I strongly disagree with his moral character. Strong, I'm just going to say that for the record. I'm praying for the man. I'm praying that, that God would visit him and, and create in him a clean heart. I'm not sick because of the riots. I'm sick because of a deeper issue of what's going on in the hearts of the people of this nation. I think what's happened is that people have lost a connection to the head. And not just this one, though I think that's happened for some of these people too. I don't know how throwing a trash can through the window of a Starbucks can translate as, I don't like the president. I don't know how when you have a city that's primarily... Uh, democratic Los Angeles that you go out and protest by stopping all of the traffic on the freeway in the predominantly democratic city that voted for the same person you wanted when that was happening I thought they're slowing down other people who voted the same way they did how does that make sense They've lost connection, not just to this head. What's happened is this nation has lost connection to the head, to Jesus Christ. We've been in a, in a spiral down morally for quite a long time. We're seeing the results in, in the economy, in all sorts of places. Uh, I was reminded this week that a number of years back, whatever group came out and says, that we are now looking at the likely looking at a generation that does not have the same hope for economic success um, for their children as they had when they were younger. In other words, in other words, you know, each generation starting in about the 40s began to look at the next generation and say that my kids will have better economic and better future than I had. And we saw that each generation coming up had more chance at making uh, finances and having a, a, a better uh, physical life, if you will. A few years back, they said that now we're in the time where we may have reached the pinnacle of economic success and the, the generations in front of us likely will begin to go downhill. 
I went, I, I, do you guys remember when they were talking about that? We might be seeing that now. We're wondering what's going to happen with the economy. Anyone who's trying to buy a house now knows that the uh, interest rates just went up. They're up to around five. They were down at three. So those things are, you know, just everything's changing. But why? Because we have lost, as a people, the connection with the head. Jesus Christ, our God, who gives us gives us our basis for our morality and our life, we are disconnecting from him more and more, even within the church. The people who are out rioting, who are, who are doing these uh, crazy things, and maybe even us, when we do certain things, have become, and gives a couple things I think that is happening in, our, in the generation that we live in, they've become extremely self-centered and selfish extremely self-centered and selfish thinking often just of them themselves and how it's going to affect me rather than the good of the nation and the good of people we are all about materialism as a whole and we 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 want more we want better we've lost connection with the head we we've become an angry people people are so angry what's happened Well, see, we're angry because we don't have the love and the joy of God in our lives. And I'm not talking about us. I don't believe that we're an angry people in this room, but this culture and the things that we're seeing, how can a group of people just haphazardly go and destroy other people's property and and do some of the things that are happening all over the place? Because we become a selfish people. We become an angry people. We become an amoral people. See, there's, we, we have, you know what morality is, I think we know that, and we know what immorality is, but do we know what amorality is? Amorality is no morals. In past generations, when people did things wrong, they knew that it was wrong, but they did it anyways. That's immorality. We're in a generation now that people are amoral, they don't even have a moral compass. Whatever they want to do feels right, and they, they would even say, don't, don't press upon me your morality because we are turning into an amoral people. People are beginning to take vengeance into their own hands, partly because they distrust and disrespect authority. Those are two things right in the same one. They're taking vengeance into their own hands because they disrespect and distrust authority, including God. They don't trust God. When you take vengeance into your own hands, it's because you don't trust the system for one, and more importantly, you don't trust God. Because God said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And trust me, God is a God of vengeance. He's a God of vengeance, and He will repay the evil. Not necessarily the way you want it repaid. Not necessarily the way I want it repaid. Definitely not the way that, that some of these people want it repaid. See, there's a whole group of people who feel slighted, and, and so they're angry that Donald Trump is the president, and so they are taking out vengeance on I don't know what. Everything. But, but God is a God of vengeance. He will repay, the Bible says so, we can trust in the promise. Again, they've lost respect for authority. You know, being a police officer used to be something kids would go, I want to be a cop, I want to be a police officer when I grow up. And now, I mean, if there's still kids who want to do that, some of them are afraid to say it. 
because because of, of authority has gotten such a bad rap. See, that goes along with the amorality. That goes along with that we're in charge of all of our own decisions. And this is the, the, the culture. There's an absence of forgiveness. We don't forgive like God calls us to forgive. And I'm talking about uh, the, the people that are involved in, in, these, in these types of activities, I'm not talking about us necessarily, but if any of these fit, then we can, we can be challenged on these. But there's an absence of forgiveness towards one another. And the last one, and this is the one we're going to focus on today. The reason people are so upset because they're looking at the wrong place for their hope. They're looking at the wrong place for hope. People were, were looking so much at, at somebody else, whether it was Hillary or whether it was Bernie or, or what. And, and, and the, the, there's another truth in there. There's a whole bunch of people that are writing. They don't even know what they don't like about Trump. They're just getting caught up. So there's a, that's part of the group. They're just getting caught up in a frenzy. And, and that's happened forever. Look through the Bible. There's always been riots. So, in fact, Paul in the book of Acts, we just went through this a, a couple months ago, um, he was caught up, and some of the people who were in the riot didn't even know why they were rioting against Paul, but they just went, hey, this looks fun. But, but the, these people, the, the thing we're going to focus on this morning is that they're looking in the wrong place for hope. Where do we look for our hope? We cannot be a people who look to the government for our hope. You know, I, I thought, what would we have looked like for those who, who, uh, who uh, maybe wanted Trump or just didn't want the, the other party? If, 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 if that's you, what would you have looked like if, if you would have lost? Would we be the same? See, I think we'd be the same to some degree if we're looking for a person to be our hope. There is, we cannot look to a person or a government to be our hope. See, Jesus is the hope of the world, not a leader, no matter how good they might be. I think that ties into the fact that, that in the end times, an Antichrist will rise up. The Bible talks about an Antichrist will rise up, and all the world would look to the Antichrist to be our leader. We're so primed for that because we're looking to somebody. So it's, we're, we're, we're in such a place that if somebody will just rise up that we think we can all trust and put our hope into, we will follow that person because it's been long enough that the world, the enemy of our soul, the devil himself, has tried to get our hope off of God and to put it on anything else. And our hope has to be placed upon God and Him alone. No matter what situation we live in, he is worthy to be trusted and he is safe to put our trust in him. Difficulties in good times and in bad times, we put our hope in Christ, in God. Zephaniah 3, which is a chapter probably most of you don't read regularly. It's one of those, you know, minor prophet guys Zephaniah chapter 3 see the word and there was so many passages this morning and I just wanted to read scripture after scripture to help us to go God is good God is worthy to put our hope and faith and trust in 
Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love, and he will rejoice over you with singing. That's such an important scripture for us to understand that God is with us, that he is the great God. He is mighty to save. No one can take you out of his hand, the Bible says. He is trustworthy. Not only is he great and awesome and powerful and can do all things, then it comes and makes it personal. He says, and so this great, awesome, powerful God takes delight in you. And we, we, we should stop in that moment and say, God, you take delight in me. You know my failings, my shortcomings. You know how ugly I can be in my anger, in my distrust, in my lack of hope. You know how, how stingy I can be. And that's just in the morning. You know, and yet he says, I take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. What is he saying? That if we'll allow him to, he'll give us that peace he loves us so much and then this next part is awesome because it says he will rejoice over you with singing and and i know a lot of you parents used to sing over your kids just sing to them all of my babies i would grab up and i would dance around the room with them and sing all of them we always do this little twist spin and in fact the word here the singing is is the best translation that they would come up with, but the word has so much more meaning than just singing. The word in the Hebrew means like shrilling, shrieking with joy, and it was also it would contain an action and, and, and like spinning around. Like if you won the lottery, it wouldn't look like this. Oh, I'm so glad I won the lottery. It would probably look like, Wah! that's kind of what this word is saying here that he rejoices over us with just such enthusiasm and excitement because he delights in us and yet as people we stopped looking at him and we look to those around us to fulfill us we look to governments to give what we need and we get depressed when we don't get our way because we've got our eyes off of the king of kings and onto the things of the world but church, God is worthy of our trust and he is worthy to put our hope in. If you want to know a little bit more about the God that we're, I'm talking about this morning, a great place to go, believe it or not, is the book of Job. Which I'm pretty sure is Job's favorite book. At least at one time it was. The book of Job. And, and Job's an interesting read for sure. You know, you've you, you got to go, but, but the part that specifically is starting in chapter 38. So if you're making notes, put that down. Read Job 38 later. It's, it's, it's too long. In fact, you can read everywhere that God is talking about. It's for the next couple of chapters uh, through 41, I think. 38, 39, 40, and 41. And God, who's been listening to Job complain, you know, and, and lots of bad things happen to Job. I mean, I, I think I'd be complaining too. He's, he's, he's questioning things. He's, he's questioning. But God finally comes and he begins to answer him. And he answers him at the beginning of, of 38 by just simply saying, where were you when I did this? And he goes on. 
And he says things like, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth in verse 4? Tell me if you have understanding who determined its measurements or stretched the line upon it, who laid its cornerstone. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. When I made the clouds its garment. Verse 8, who shut in the sea with doors. When I made the clouds its garment, I fixed my limit for it. He goes in and talks about all the things that he does and did. And, and he just begins to lay this case out. And, and I think, God, that's very interesting. You're, you're kind of talking to man. And I thought, I don't think I would ever deserve God's answer like that. You know, am I complaining that God would come down and say, okay, you know what, I'm going to tell you how the cows eat the cabbage. But he did that so that we can come into here and go, yeah, God, you're pretty awesome. You're pretty awesome. You know, it, it, the, the creation of the universe, they just found another trillion or 10 trillion new galaxies recently. When will it ever stop? I mean, the, the immenseness of, of the creation in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, you might have been challenged recently in, in, in recent times of like, well, you know, is it, was the big bang there and whatever else? You know, let's just look at what the Bible says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. How he did it, I don't know. Did he clap his hands? Was that the bang? Did he go, create? God said it, bang, it happened, and it's immense. And it's glorious and it's beautiful. And the laws that hold it all together are so incredible. Everything is intricate. This planet is the only planet that we know that can, that can hold life. It's just perfect place in, the, in, the, in relation to the sun. And, and yet the world would say it's by accident. And I say, no, there is a creator behind that who is so incredible, who is so creative, who is wonderful, who has a sense of humor. Think platypus. Who, 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 who just, he just put it all together. And that's where we put our hope in. That God, that King. And he gives us his word to get to know him better. Read Job and listen to the things of, of God as he talks back to Job. He is almighty and all-powerful. We have nothing to worry about. Go to Psalm chapter 49. I love the first, we're going to read, you're going to hit a couple in the first, then we're going to hit verse 5. But I like this, it says, Hear this, all peoples, give ear all inhabitants of the worlds, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall give understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will disclose my dark saying on the harp. And then in verse 5, Why should I fear in the days of evil when the iniquity at my heels surround me? Those who trust in their wealth and boast in the multitude of their riches, none of them by any means can redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is costly, and it shall never cease forever, that he should continue to live eternally and not see the pit. For he sees wise men die, likewise the fool and the senseless per per person perish and leave their wealth to others. And he goes on and says, why should, I, why should I fear in the days of evil when I have a God 
See, nobody can, can buy back the soul but God. Money is, is fleeting. We can't trust in it. Those who trust in their wealth and boast of their great riches. We don't ever put our hope in people, but we put it into God. Psalm 125 says this, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people, both now and forevermore. Our God is worthy to be hoped and trusted in. We need to fix our eyes upon Jesus, the Bible says, the author and the finisher of our faith. The world and the enemy is always vying for us to get our eyes off of God. What happened to Peter? Not a good thing to do. When Peter walked on water, the moment he took his eyes off of Jesus, he began to sink. Some of you might be going through experience in your life where you're, you're sinking. Put your hope in God. Put your look to God. He's the one who's going to get us through. No matter what happens in this next four years or eight years of the presidency, that won't affect my spiritual well-being. See, because we are looking not for this world as our home, but we are looking for the world to come, the life to come, eternal life. First Peter, I want to read a few verses in First Peter, cha- uh, starting in chapter 1, verse 3. 1 Peter 1, starting in verse 3. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. I'm going to read a few more verses, but already we should be getting excited. Those of you who've ever called on the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved, when you came to Christ... I would say most of you came and found joy in a new life in Christ. You found joy in looking toward heaven. We had a hope, but what happens is the worries of this life and the cares of this world and the enemy himself comes in and tries to take away our hope and our life and we begin to take our eyes off of Jesus. We begin to take our eyes off of hope of eternity and put them down here on this earth and this earth fails us from time to time. Continue on in verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Amen. All kinds of trials. We've had all kinds of trials in this room. Sickness and death and robbery and heartbreak and loss of of jobs and, and so many trials. These have come so that your faith that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We should be filled with an inexpressible joy because we're receiving the 
the, the goal of our faith, which is the salvation of our souls. So the question might be, why am I not experiencing this joy? Well, there's a couple things. If you're going through a time right now of heartache, you're not going to be happy. And that's okay, because he didn't say you're going to be happy, but you're going to have an overwhelming, undergirded joy that comes because we understand that we, who were once destined to go to hell, are now going to heaven. And we're receiving the regeneration of our spirit even now as we walk with the goal that someday and someday soon, we're going to be with Jesus forever and ever and ever. If you've ever traveled outside of this country, you may have found a people who've had less materialistic goods than you did and yet were happier and had more joy. Because many of them, they have an understanding, especially in the, in the Christian world, they have an understanding of what they're looking forward to and they're like, you know, this is not my home, that's my home and that's really good and I, I just can't wait to get to heaven. But sometimes in this country, we get lulled into the idea that, wow, look at everything I have, and we can't even imagine heaven, so we get stuck here. But if we'll put our focus on the great God, Deuteronomy 10 describes him this as this way. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow. He loves the alien, giving him food and clothing. And you are to love those who are aliens too, for you yourselves were aliens in Egypt. Fear the Lord your God and serve him. Hold fast to him. Take your oaths in his name. He is your praise. He is your God who performed for you those great and awesome wonders you saw with your own eyes. What a great command. It's commanding us to fear God and serve Him, hold fast to Him. How do you hold fast to Him? How do you serve Him? We need to be people in the Word of God, understanding His life, understanding His love, understanding His wishes for us. We need to be a people who understands that He's given us a purpose in this life. That's why we're going to be going through this seven weeks of the purpose-driven life of what on earth am I here for to understand that God actually has a plan and a purpose for all of us. And it's, and it's wrapped up in the Word of God and it's so beyond what we're living and, and, and experiencing. He is the great God, mighty and awesome. If you've ever been passed over for a job or passed over for anything, you go, God doesn't show partiality. See, in the world, there's always going to be partiality, unfortunately, because we're sinful people, but God shows no per- partiality. He accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow. He is trustworthy. There's a, some things the Bible says, and it's, it's interesting because the Bible tells us that if we deny God, He'll deny us. Wow, that's not very good. If we deny God, He's going to deny us. But it says if we are faithless, He remains faithful because He cannot deny Himself. One of the character attributes of God is that He's faithful. Church, we're safe to put our hope and our faith in Him. Not that everything is going to go well. We read the scripture that trials befall us. We walk into difficult times, but we follow a God who's faithful and He's trustworthy. And we need to look to Him 
to be our hope and our trust. We need to look to him for what he has for us. I'm sure if I, if I took a poll in here and says, who's ever tried it their own way, the response would be 100%. We've all tried to do it our own way, but God is saying, listen, I am the great God, mighty and awesome. I actually know more than you. It's a a shock, huh? Follow me. Serve me. Trust me. Look to me. He is good. He's so good. Even in the difficult times. Church together is a a body. We want to look to Him. Not to the things of the world. Not to our jobs. Not to the president. Not to anybody else, but look to Him. We pray for these other things and God will use a job and God will use a, a leader and he'll put a president. The, the Bible says that he, he puts it presidents and kings into places. He lifts one up and puts down another. And we just need to be, okay, God, I'm going to follow you. And no matter who's in that White House, you're on the throne of my life. I look to you to be my provision, to be my hope, my security, my defender. And he is capable of handling that job. Together we need to, as a body, put our hope in in that Jesus and follow Him because I believe that He has a plan for you and for you and for you and for you and for for each and every one of us in this room. He has an individual plan for you to walk into and it's far greater than what you're living up to and it's far greater than what I'm living up to. He has a plan for individually, but I believe He also has a plan for us as as a family of God, as a church body, to do more than we're doing here too. So we're going to put our hope and our faith and our eyes to Jesus and get them off of the circumstances and follow Him. Let Him be God. Let everyone else be a liar, the Bible says. Can we do that? Are you ready to do that? We're going to close in this prayer, but we're going to stand. Between you and God, and if, the, if you've never done it, this is a great time to do it f- right here for the very first time. We're, we're going to put our faith and hope in Jesus Christ to be our Savior and for God to be our God and to lead us into everything. Dear Jesus, this morning we come to you. We thank you, God, that you are worthy of all of our hope and our trust and our faith. Jesus, we first look to you to be a, our Savior. God, we look to you and we thank you, God, that you are the Savior of our soul. God, that as we will accept you and the sacrifice that you made for our sin, if we'll confess our sin, repent of our sin, and put our faith and trust in you, that you wrote our name down in the, in the book of life, and that you put us a place in heaven, and you translated us, you moved us from death to life. God, most of us in this room have done that, but if there's anyone who hasn't, then, we, then I pray, God, they would do that right now by simply saying, Jesus, I trust you to be my Savior. And I trust you to be my Lord. Forgive me of my sin. I commit my life to follow you. And God of gods, King of kings, Lord of lords, all of us this morning want to put our faith, hope, and trust in you. God, I pray that we would find the great God, the King of the universe in the pages of this Bible. Each and every day, a a new word, a new word that says, fear not, but trust in you. God, that we would each day put our hope in you and our faith and trust in you.
God, that you would give us an inexpressible joy that we'll live forever in heaven, that we're walking with you here on earth, and that you've come into our lives and made everything new. God, I pray that you would encourage us, challenge us this week to to keep our eyes focused on you and that you would cause us to love one another and help one another to continue the fight of faith, the walk of faith, God, as we go on this journey together. We need you. We invite you into every place in our life as we surrender the hidden things to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.